The Coffee People podcast is presented by Roastar Coffee Packaging. Roastar, which you can find at roastar.com, is a digital printing company that makes custom printed packaging, which makes even small businesses look like a really, really big deal. With fast turnarounds, high quality products, and low minimums, Roastar will quickly become your number one favorite source for custom product packaging, which, by the way, is made in the United States. Small, mid, and large coffee roasters who are ready for an upgrade can learn more on Roastar.com. You'll find the link in this podcast's show notes. Now on to the show. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Coffee People podcast, which is part of the Roast West Coast Coffee Network. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where we wander through the oft-inspiring, oft-enlightening stories of coffee people. We also spent our first six seasons sprinkling in coffee education in the form of our Coffee Smarter segments. Those coffee education sessions, in particular the ones that focused on helping listeners make better coffee at home and make better coffee-buying choices, were so popular that we've spun them off into their own podcast. Search for Coffee Smarter wherever you're listening to this show and hit the follow button. While you're there, you might as well give it a five-star rating because have we ever led you wrong before? This podcast, Coffee People, is on break, but I know how frustrating it can be to run out of shows to listen to because I'm not just a host. I'm also an avid listener of podcasts. So today, I'm going to share the very first episode from Season 1 of the Coffee Smarter Podcast, in which we talk about the extraction of flavor. It's what happens when you're brewing a cup of coffee. We're going to be sharing some bonus episodes during the break, including more education and some new interviews. Before we kick you over to the Coffee Smarter Podcast today, a quick shout-out to San Franciscan Roaster Co., who came on as an industry partner after this show aired, and again to Roastar for taking on the challenge of presenting the Coffee People Podcast. You can find all kinds of coffee information, education, and more fun stuff at roastwestcoast.com. Today, while I'm talking to you, I'm drinking a V60 pour-over made with beans from the Romantics Coffee Roasters. And I want to say thanks to Libby and Victor for the nice care package. I hope you're out there drinking something pretty damn good too, because on this Coffee People interlude, it's time for an episode of Coffee Smarter. Hey everyone, welcome to the Coffee Smarter Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Wolt. This is our very first Coffee Smarter Podcast, which is very exciting. Today, you and I and we, we're going to be learning some things about coffee uh, that will hopefully enable you to brew a better cup at home. Uh, In fact, this entire first season of Coffee Smarter is going to be dedicated to coffee brewers. I'm going to dig into their history, how they work, and even their impact on the flavor of coffee. 
And I'm joined today, as I will be throughout this first season, by my friend, my personal coffee sensei, the founder and head roaster of Coffee Cycle Roasting in Pacific Beach, San Diego, California, Chris O'Brien. Hey, Chris, welcome to Coffee Smarter. Uh, It's good to see you. Thanks so much, Ryan. It's so good to be here with you. And, you know, pretty much all I do every day is talk about coffee. So happy to do it with you and, uh, and your audience today. Thanks for having me. And just full disclosure, Chris has been a coffee smarter expert for me on the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast for seven seasons, six seasons now. Uh, we've had plenty of coffee smarter education conversations, which I'll link to in the show's notes. You can go find that get really in depth and some really crazy stuff. But for this show, we're really focused on coffee at home. I think that's uh, that's a topic that our listeners on that show have asked for, and it's something that I am trying to do every day. And somehow, even after years of knowing Chris, I don't do very well. <laughs> don't laugh at me. I know you're laughing at me and not with me. That was a cough. I wasn't laughing. Yeah, oh, it was just. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think we're doing brewers this season, and. While I won't always have a little soapboxy moment in these shows, today I will just to say why why are we going to focus on brewers first? There's plenty of other places that we could start this conversation. So the reason that I'm going to focus on brewers this season is that in my experience, it's kind of the first thing that people buy different versions of. Um, on my shelf, I have three French presses, a V60, an AeroPress, a Chemex. I have a homemade pour-over device uh, that I made from a copper pipe and a glass funnel that at one time I really thought made good coffee, and I have since learned. I want to see that. I want to see that. (laughs) I'll bring it into the shop. Uh, It's a little beat up. Um, It was one of the first coffee devices I made when I got super into it and super excited and went all the way down the rabbit hole. And even though there are other things that we could be focused on, whether it's history or water or theory or uh, recipes or grinding, all that stuff happens kind of around the brewer. And we need to know what purpose the brewer serves, which is why Chris is here, because I can't teach you that because I don't know it, even though he's told it to me like 25 times. Uh, (laughs) It seems like an obvious question that the goal of a coffee brewer is to brew coffee. But if we peel that top layer answer back, we're kind of confronted with the concept of extraction, the taking of coffee compounds out of a coffee bean and dissolving them into water. What looks and seems like a simple action that millions upon millions of people do every day actually gets pretty crazy and and there's a lot going on. So Chris, my question for you today revolves around extraction. Kind of what is the goal of extraction? What are we extracting? And how does that work when we brew a cup of coffee? All right. Well, you know, I'm very happy to be talking about this and just to keep me focused on this, you know, what are we extraction extracting and what is the goal um, of the extraction? So there's so much inside a single coffee bean that we can taste that it's kind of mind boggling on some of the other episodes of, of roast West coast. We talked about how many compounds there are in your average nice cup of coffee uh, that the human palate can detect. And that's, 800 different compounds, uh, which is about four times as much as your average glass of wine. So just to say there's a lot to taste in coffee. So the goal here is to use that water as a solvent, as something to dissolve things. And we're going to try to pull all the good tasting stuff out of the coffee and none of the bad tasting stuff. 
while we're at it, we're also going to try to pull the caffeine out of there because a lot of people like the caffeine. So pretty simple overall. But what we want to do is we want to get that good stuff and not the bad stuff. So if we go too long or we use the wrong technique or we use the wrong brewer, we can get bad stuff. If we go too short, we don't get enough good stuff. And that's like really the most simplistic way to look at it. We're trying to get all the good stuff and none of the bad. So when we say we're pulling stuff out of that coffee bean, we're essentially, we're chopping up these coffee beans with a grinder. We're soaking them in water somehow, uh, either what we'll call full immersion or a pour over method of some sort. And that water is kind of leaching or sucking things out, whether they are oils from the bean or gas from the bean uh, or even solids from the bean that we can't really see, you know, too easily, at least as it's happening. And you mentioned time too long or too short. My understanding is that the reason that the amount of time we brew a cup of coffee uh, matters because these compounds that are in there, these different acids and gases and oils and all this other stuff, they don't dissolve all at once. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And like you said, some of them are oils, some of them are acids, some of them are all these different compounds come out sort of at a different rate. So sometimes you can have a cup that tastes too sour or too bitter. And sometimes it's not that the coffee was bad. It's just that we didn't do the ideal job of brewing it. So my question then is, these compounds don't dissolve all at once. What what is happening once the, the water and the grind, the coffee grinds are kind of intertwined in whatever method that we're brewing in, what are the steps that are happening to pull things out of that bean and provide us with what we end up tasting at the end? Like we said, if you go too short, you don't get enough good stuff. If you go too long, you get some bad stuff that's going to make your coffee taste worse. And there's kind of other ways that you can get not enough good stuff or too much bad stuff. But we can really think about it and simplify it in a way where it doesn't have to be as crazy complicated as it sounds at first. So if I say that there are fruity acids and dry distillates and all this stuff, it can kind of kind of seem overwhelming because we don't necessarily need a chemistry degree to be able to brew good coffee. But basically, there are things that dissolve really easily in water and things that don't dissolve that easily in water. The example I usually use is salt and sugar. Salt dissolves really easily in water. Sugar doesn't. If I have really hot water and I stir it a bunch, I can get sugar to dissolve. But if I have cold water and I stir it a little bit, that salt's going to dissolve, right? So things like fruity acids, I say fruity acids, organic acids are usually where you get fruit flavors. There are a bunch of different acids that are inside a coffee bean, and there's no coffee that's not, that doesn't have acid in it. And acid is not necessarily a bad thing. If you think about enjoying an orange or orange juice, citric acid is a pretty common component of a cup of coffee. And so we want some of that. There are other acids that we don't like, but one of the ways we can really think about this to simplify it is that smaller, simpler molecules, smaller, simple things dissolve easily. So acids are kind of like salt. They're fairly small molecules and fairly simple. There are some bigger, complex acids that we don't like as much. And so early on in the brewing, the simpler molecules, the simpler pieces of the coffee are going to dissolve really easily. That's acids, that's salts, 
And then later on, when the coffee's been brewing for a while, we're finally going to have that hot water dissolve some of those sugars, some of those caramelized sugars. And then if we keep going too long, we're going to brew some stuff that we don't like, like the dry distillates, things that are going to create really bitter, harsh flavors, flavors like tobacco or carbon or even like rubber, things like that that are just not going to be appealing no matter what. So if I have salts and acids and I add sugars to them, they're going to taste pretty good. Acids plus sugar taste kind of juicy. Think about an orange. You have citric acid plus sugar. It's juicy. You have a lemon with less sugar and it's sour, right? So if you get enough sugar, it becomes more juicy. You have salt on its own. It's going to taste salty. It might even taste metallic depending on what kind of salts you have. But we've probably most of us have had salted caramel. So if you have enough sugars with salts, it tastes nice and sweet. If you have the taste of rubber and carbon, no amount of sugar is going to make that taste good. So that's sort of on the other end of things. So if we start with acids and salts, we go further and we get sugars. And if we go too far, we get dry distillates. Um, so one of the things you're talking about right now is when you say we go, you're talking about through the process of brewing, whether it's in the first 15 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, whatever. I think it's important to note right now that of all, all the brewers that we're going to talk about in this season, they they all have recipes. I think when I was a new coffee person, I didn't understand that. And so I thought, well, I'm going to put the coffee and the water together until the water's brown for a while, and then I'm going to drink it. And I got used to drinking kind of a bad cup of coffee because I wasn't paying attention to the length of time. Uh, that I was brewing. So that's something important we're going to be talking about with each of these episodes on specific brewers. The other thing I want to point out is you mentioned that if you go too far, you're going to taste kind of carbon or rubber or some of these bad burnt kind of tastes that we associate as, as a negative thing. We're, o- we're over extracting it. What happens on the other side of it if we don't let it brew long enough? How does that change the taste of the eventual coffee? Well, interestingly enough, Caffeine is one of those salty, sour, simpler molecules. It doesn't taste salty or sour. Caffeine actually tastes quite bitter. Um, But it dissolves pretty easily. So if you're not brewing your coffee long enough and you drink this sort of brown water, um, it'll probably still get you caffeinated. But it won't taste good. It'll taste salty and sour and maybe metallic. And those are my number one tastes that I look for if I'm trying to taste whether a coffee is under-extracted. So if you taste your coffee and it tastes sour to you or it tastes salty, um, soy sauce is a common way for coffee to taste kind of salty, verging on metallic, Um, the the taste of soy sauce in your coffee. If you taste soy sauce, if you taste sour battery acid, anything like that, um, hopefully you don't know what battery acid actually tastes like, but it's kind of a common term that people use when they drink something they don't like that's acidic it's what we imagine something that is neon in color to taste like (laughs) yes i think that's what it is although i think there's plenty of sodas that are that color there was certainly one when i was a kid called surge oh yeah yeah. there's no way that was healthy for me but it, it definitely didn't taste like what i thought battery acid tasted like do you remember ecto cooler i remember the high c High C juice packs that were ecto cooler. They were bright neon green. Yeah, because of the Ghostbusters. Because of the Ghostbusters, yes. Yeah, 
Yeah. I've never had one. I can't believe you never had that. That was a staple of my childhood. <laughs> no, we, we were not, uh, we weren't a family that had little juice packs laying around. It was, uh, if you had 50 cents, you could buy a can of soda across the street at the gas station. That was our, mm. that was, that was my childhood. So, and ideally, let's say we do everything perfectly. We put the right amount of grounds, ground coffee beans in, which is something we haven't mentioned yet, but is also important, having the right ratio of water to coffee. Uh, and we're going to get into that throughout the show. If we put in the right water, right amount of water, the right amount of coffee, and we brew it for the exact perfect right of time, the ideally extracted cup of coffee is what? It's a balance between those two, right? Like it's somewhere in the middle of that too salty, too sugary. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes I try to think about it like I think about cooking. If I'm cooking a dish, you know, I can add too much salt or I can overcook it and I can char it. You know, there's all these different ways to mess up cooking. Well, the beauty of a cup of coffee is that it has so much flavor in there already that just brewing it right is like cooking it perfectly, right? So... You don't, you can't add too much salt to it, but if you under brew it, it's going to taste like you've oversalted it. Or if you've added too much of a, of a, of the wrong ingredient, like something sour, um, something acidic. So always what we're seeking, whether we're, we're cooking or brewing coffee is this sort of balance of flavors. And I like to break it down to, you know, four really simple flavors and they're represented by these kind of steps we took before you have acids salts, bitters, and sweets. And if you have acid, salt, bitter, the bitter, bitter coming from the caffeine, and then you have a good extraction of the sugars that are already present in the coffee, and you don't continue to extract and extract some of those more harsh bitters, you have a nice balanced cup. You have a nice balanced meal where you have all four of these things that we really want to think about and want to care about all in harmony with each other. Um, and that leaves enough room for personal preferences because some coffees taste very different from other coffees, obviously. Um, and so they're going to have a slightly different balance. You know, if I have a very fruity tasting coffee, those acids might be more present, but they should still have enough sweetness to make them enjoyable to consume. Um, and this is something that we get a lot with people that aren't familiar with lighter roasted, more fruit forward tasting coffees where they've tasted them, but they've only tasted them where they were poorly brewed. And so they're like, oh, I don't like acidic coffee. And then you give them a really well brewed cup of coffee that has really distinct fruity tasting notes. And they're like, oh, wow, I really like this. Like, no, you, you don't dislike. I mean, and some people do dislike fruity fruit forward coffees. And that's fine. But a lot of people think they don't like some fruit tastes in their coffee because they've had them done poorly. So if we brew our coffee well, even if it's not your favorite, you should still be able to sort of sip it and say, hmm, might not be my favorite, but I enjoy this or I appreciate it. And that's kind of the thing with a lot of a lot of different uh, craft beverages and foods and whatnot is, you know, as long as it's in balance, you should be able to taste it and say, okay, I can appreciate that someone would really like this, even if it's not for me. And so if you're tasting your coffee and you're like, oh, that's disgusting. Chances are you screwed up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you screwed up because I buy my coffee from you. <laughs> that's fair. 
on that point, I think it's, you know, the things that we're talking about here are fairly general. And as far as the coffee goes, the things we're talking about this season are going to be kind of fairly general because we're not talking specifically about a coffee from a certain region that might have a certain flavor profile or another. We're talking more about the brewers itself. Uh, but that does come into play because there are different, like you, we have tasting notes on coffee because coffee can taste so many different ways. And I think we are a generation now that is beyond the the place where we think all coffee tastes the same. At least I hope so. <laughs> and if not, this show will help get you there. <laughs> you know, but I think that I grew up with the idea that that coffee was supposed to be kind of kind of bitter and roasted and, and nutty and chocolatey. Uh, if I were to go out on a limb and say I tasted those things, which I certainly probably didn't. Diner coffee is what I thought all coffee tasted like and. And that's just not the case. There's really going to be a coffee that appeals to just about everybody from very subtle and nuanced and floral to very rich and overwhelming and spicy and and dark chocolate. You know, the flavor wheel is an amazing thing. And we'll talk about that at some point. For today's episode, our first episode of Coffee Smarter, I want to close out with a little bit of a vocabulary uh, question for you and just there's a lot of crappy terminology, I think, that surrounds coffee or that is has come into this new wave of coffee from an old wave where there weren't so many options. And a thing that I get, I hear getting tossed around a lot is weak and strong coffee. My coffee's too weak today. My coffee's too strong today. What are we actually talking about there? I mean, because your coffee really isn't necessarily like, are we we're not talking about caffeine in that sense, even though one might, you know, subconsciously be thinking about the buzz that they're getting off of it. But we're actually talking about the the flavor and that really doesn't seem to make sense if you start to break it down. Am I am I losing my mind here? I actually, I'm I'm, I'm so happy you asked this. This is this is some good new new territory for us that I'm really happy to to talk about because, you know, from the perspective of someone who's trying to serve a drink, muddled terminology like weak and strong can be a real easy place to make a misstep. Right, I'm trying to guide someone into something a getting a drink that they enjoy or getting a coffee that they enjoy. And if they use a term that works in their head a certain way, but I'm interpreting it a different way, we might be sort of talking at cross purposes. So there is actually official definition of where what weak and strong is supposed to mean in coffee. And it does not directly relate to caffeine content, though caffeine content does correlate slightly and I'm going to try not to get too deep uh, down the rabbit hole of, of sciencey stuff here, uh, but I'm I'm going to dive a little bit just to because I kind of <laughs> have to. And I'm going to warn everyone: if this is the first time you've heard Chris and I talk, sometimes Chris just talks, and I just sit here and listen for 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes. But we're going to try to <laughs> not doing to that. Keep, we're going to keep that to a narrower window for the show. All right. So a cup of coffee is not 100% water, right? Obviously. Right? You have a cup of water and it's 100% water. You brew your coffee with that water and then the cup at the end is brown instead of clear. So there's something in there that's not water. When we put that through a device and analyze it and we, we, we figure it out, it's, it's called a refractometer before you look too excited over there, Ryan. Well, I wanted to say the, the, the brown stuff is the stuff we've extracted, right? That's what we're talking That's about. That's exactly right. Yes. yes. The brown stuff is the stuff we've extracted. So we've literally taken something out of those gr- dry coffee grounds and we've 
dissolved them and moved them into the cup of water and made the water brown. And the water is therefore no longer 100% water. It's about 97.5%, give or take. That is what strength of coffee means. What percentage of that cup in your hand is not water? 2.5% roughly, 2.4%, 2.6%. So a 2.2% total dissolved solids cup, a cup that is 97.8% water. That is a weak cup of coffee. A cup of, co- a cup of coffee that is 97% water, so 3% total dissolved solids, is a strong cup of coffee. And, you know, I'm, I had to do some little mental math to, you know, figure out exactly what percentages <laughs> were there. But it's, um, it's not a large amount of percent difference. But if you were to drink a cup of coffee that was 2.2% coffee and the rest water, it would taste pretty watery to you. It would taste more like water than like coffee. Uh, sometimes when we're talking about it, we sort of say brown water, right? It's water that has a little bit of flavor to it because there's some some coffee in there. But it just tastes like brown water. It's just a little bit different than water. It's not that much different. Whereas that 3% cup, not that we actually really tend to brew coffee at a full 3%, but if we were to brew a, a well-balanced cup of coffee at 3%, it would taste very strong. Uh, and sometimes I hear, you know, um, people from older generations or like, um, I get this a lot from like military folk. Where they say, oh yeah, I brewed a cup of coffee so strong you could stick a spoon in it and the spoon would stick straight up. Right, that's that's what we were thinking about with strong coffee sludge, and it's literally that, that there's there's more dissolved solids in there. And when I say dissolved solids, it's literally solids. It was once solid. It was once part of a coffee bean. Um, so you are literally making the water thicker and closer to being a solid than a liquid. Uh, it's still a liquid, <laughs> but there's a significant percentage that is now that was is now dissolved in there that was once solid. So that's the difference between weak and strong. So with all of that, for me, making a cup of coffee at home, you know, at my level or at a, you know, a new to coffee level, new to craft coffee level, I don't really care about any of that, but it does help me kind of understand a little bit more of those, those terms, I think, and, and be able to stay away from them when I'm ordering. One way that I might suggest to people who are listening to kind of get a better handle on what terms to use or how to describe their coffee. Besides obviously reading, I'm going to share some, some great reading materials for people that want to get really into it. But when you go to a coffee shop and you order a cup of coffee, ask how they would describe it. Obviously, you know, baristas can get really busy and they may not, you know, have time for that every day. But if there is a break, almost every coffee person that I've ever met really likes to talk about coffee. Uh, that's why the show <laughs> exists. So ask how they would how they would describe it the more you start adding vocabulary terms to your toolbox the better your coffee at home will be because you're able to to start dialing it in and understand what it is that you are tasting i think that uh that seems like a pretty good spot to stop today chris uh we're gonna actually talk about water again in the next episode uh so this will lead right into that uh and then after that we're gonna get into talking about the french press and the chemex and all these different types of brewers and how they work. I'm really looking forward to digging into all of that with you this season. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to be here to talk about it. I also know that you've done a lot of 
learning on your own um, beyond this and not just and just beyond the, the guests you've had at the, the show. So I'm hoping this, this season to learn a little bit from you. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to admit some ignorance in some areas and, uh, and just to see, see if I can fill, fill in some my own knowledge gaps uh, while we're doing this whole thing. I don't know that I would say I've learned anything, Chris. I would say that I'm really good at copying and pasting. Uh, <laughs> but uh, hopefully through osmosis, some of these things have, have worked their way into my brain. And, and then we can talk about those things and I can learn, uh, we can learn from each other. So that's how the show works. I'll ask coffee questions, and this season Chris will do his best to answer them. He's pretty good at it. And I'm the coffee idiot who doesn't really understand science. Chris has taught me about extraction literally 20 times, but I can never really be sure I get all the details down. I'm a words and pictures person, not a science and numbers person. But I think what matters is that I'm learning enough that I can make a good cup of coffee at home that I really enjoy, and hopefully between the two of us, we can help you do the same. You might be asking yourself what makes me the right person to host this show, and the answer is simple. For starters, I own a microphone, and I know how to use the recording software. That's most of it. But secondly, in my pursuit of a good cup of coffee, I've gotten to know some really smart coffee people, like Chris O'Brien, who have been generous with their time and coffee knowledge. I love learning about coffee, I love drinking it, and you probably do too. That's why you're here. I hope by listening to the Coffee Smarter Podcast, you'll learn how to make a better cup of coffee at home, or you'll at least appreciate the experience a little bit more. This podcast show is part of the Roast West Coast Coffee Network. You'll find Coffee Smarter show recaps, details, and more coffee information at roastwestcoast.com. If you sign up for the newsletter there, I'll make it easy for you and just email you the show every time it comes out. And while you're there, check out the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. You'll find more than 120 episodes with in-depth coffee information and interviews with coffee people. That show is sponsored by some incredible industry partners. Coffee Smarter, the podcast, will probably have sponsors of its own at some point, but this podcast doesn't exist without them. They include Chris from Coffee Cycle Roasting, Steady State Roasting Company, Ascend Coffee Roasters, Marea Coffee, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Ignite Coffee Company, First Light Coffee Whiskey, and Café La Terre. That's all for this episode of Coffee Smarter. We'll be back again next week with a little bit more information about water before we dive deep into the different types of coffee brewers you might buy to start making coffee at home. This episode of the Coffee Smarter podcast is, was, has been written and produced by me, Ryan Wolt. Chris O'Brien has joined me as an executive producer. You can check out roastwestcoast.com for more Coffee Smarter content. Thanks for listening to this very first episode of the Coffee Smarter Podcast, and I hope that wherever you are out there, you're drinking a great cup of coffee.